This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually oval. Just say yeah, it. The blind guy feels it now. Goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. Wow, it's kind of odd, folks. I've been unavailable for a couple of weeks uh, on Thursdays. Uh, Ramya has uh, stepped in here, had some great guests on the program over the last couple of weeks to join in. We've got another good one today with us. Ramya Amuthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the program. And we welcome in our In the Know contributor, Margaret Weldon. Megs, welcome back. Oh, we'll see if we can reach her there, folks. Uh, the idea of the conversation here is it's uh, an open conversation, handpicked by uh, whoever's hosting, yours truly today. And uh, as mentioned, our bi-weekly contributor, Margaret Weldon, uh, with us as well as uh, Margaret also co-hosts on the program when we uh, when one of us is away. Mags, do we have you there? Still getting just can't hear you at the sec, Mag. So not sure if that technical issue is uh, is there. Um, we'll see if maybe we get you get you back in there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you may have to disconnect and, and come back to us uh, in a moment. Um, so what I'm gonna what I want to get into, uh, Ramya, we'll start here and see if we can get Mags back mm-hmm. in here. Uh, as the Northwest Territories, tourism uh, opens and kind of recovers from the uh, COVID-19. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, there we got you, Megs. There we are. Okay, am I, am I, am I here now? Yeah. No, I I've I just said, we got you. We're, yeah, we're right there. You got good. you. Good. Okay. <laughs> no time to be sarcastic, Kelly. Come on. No, no. Got I, her I, too. It's, I always get this... Um, I, I always get this funny image, you know, when that sort of stuff happens and then they say, okay, now you're, now you're back in. I, al- I always picture myself like being carried back in or floated back in or something like that. Oh, dream yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's can, can, can someone just, you know, walk for me, carry, just carry me in. Megs, welcome back. Nice to have you here. Nice to be here. I was just uh, starting to explain our first item as the Northwest Territory, the tourism industry, uh, begins to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. Some markets are recovering faster than others. Now, some tourism operators say they've been booking guests from elsewhere in Canada, but unfortunately, they're not seeing as many international travelers. They're still seeing people from around Canada. Ed Lumanowski is the president uh, and director of uh, New Star Properties Incorporated, um, which owns the Explorer Hotel in Yellowknife. Let's take a listen to what he has to say. These are the markets that take a lot longer to organize and to build confidence in longer distance travel tourism for the most part is driven by local markets so the closer markets are the ones that actually create the most overnight travel okay so my question to you guys as we you know see this as a dilemma i don't feel a surprise where in canada margaret have you always dreamed of wanting to go, whether this is a childhood dream, whether it's today somewhere that you maybe see here? Because a lot of time, and, and again, we've talked about this changing. We're getting a little better at celebrating Canadian things, no matter what they are. Is there a part of Canada that you want to share with us where you would love to have traveled to and why? Well, um, I would like to do the the uh, trip, the Polar Bear Express train up to Northern Canada, just because it's a train ride, but it would just be something different to do. 
I've also got um, a couple of cousins in a couple of other provinces, um, you know, so I, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, maybe going to those uh, provinces as well. I really haven't been outside of Ontario where Canada is concerned. Like I've been mm-hmm. to other countries, but just not really around this country. When I could, and we've we've shared this, of course, when we talk about the Yukon, um, I've said, I've always dreamed about seeing those northern lights, especially when I had a little more vision, even not knowing would I really see them. We were just talking to Christy Malik about astronomy and what we could or couldn't do. And I could never look in a telescope and see anything. Someone say, okay, I've got it pointed, Cal. Do you see the collection of stars? Do you see the Milky Way? Nope. Don't see anything in there, like just dark sky. And that would be, and that was when my vision was at its best. So I used to think that it would be so cool. I saw a picture in school and would like to have gone to the north uh, and looked at the northern lights when they're at their brightest. Now I think in Canada, I'd really like to go to a place where you've got houses on cliffs right on the side of the ocean where the waves are crashing below, you know, and I, you know, read about these in books or hear about them on my old radio shows, you know, some, some wealthy person has this place. Now, you know, you can rent places and that, that are on properties like that. But I always thought that would just be so cool to be able to literally go to that edge and have the ocean below long as it was safe. And I wasn't over that edge. Rum, how about you? I, I have not explored enough of the West Coast yet. I haven't, uh, sorry, East Coast yet. And I haven't explored enough of anything yet in, even in Ontario. But there's something that I feel like, um, I'm really, really missing, like, like a soul missing, uh, in the East Coast. And I just can't wait because when we went to St. John's, Newfoundland, and that was a, a, a wonderful trip with the Kelly and company team, um, I felt like it, it was home. You know, it was just really, really beautiful. So different from um, here in Toronto. And like, I just love traveling. And I think that traveling to places so different, I don't know, it feels really, really nice. And I've been to Halifax as well, but I want to go to PEI. I want to go to New Brunswick. I want to go to all these places um, and just travel around the East Coast with, with like an unlimited budget and time <laughs> and explore. I think it's the waters. I really do think it's Yeah, just, and yeah. I think for a lot of people, and Margaret, I don't know if you'll agree, uh, the water, I know New Brunswick, uh, I've not spent much time in there. When I was a kid, we drove through on the way back from Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Um, you know, but uh, I didn't get a chance to really check, but I hear about so many people going there to parts of New Brunswick that are on the water that, and me being a fish fan, of course, check that out from, from Nova Scotia to PEI to, to New Brunswick. Margaret, is there a particular thing? And, and again, you mentioned where family is and that, and I think there's always places some people would like to go to Alberta and see some of the digs for, for dinosaur bones and things like that. Actually, and, and I've been told that that, uh, that particular trip to, uh, to Alberta to do that dinosaur exhibit is something, re- is really something to see. But, um, I, I think for me, number one, the, the Polar Bear Express is, is, uh, is a, is a train, you know, that I, I would like to go on. Um, but for me, I, I just want to go, you know, just to see the qual, just to feel the quality of the air, the different qualities of the air. Um, just maybe it's, it's always funny or it's always amazing to me. I think when we listen to people from other provinces, they always seem to have different accents, you know? Ah, yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. In different um, communities. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's always been kind of, um, you know, that's always been kind of fascinating to, to listen to. Okay, Um, thank you. That's that's awesome. Uh, Romanowski says that the international market will take at least two to three years to recover. That's what he feels. Other types of uh, uh, travel, government, business, and interterritorial have uh, inter. 
territorial have recovered fairly quickly. The Canadian. I, I, I will. I will just add one more quick thing. Yeah. I noticed for a se- for a segment that I'm that for an upcoming segment that I'm going to be doing. I will say this: a lot of tourist industries and hotels and things now are really starting to make accommodations for every type of traveler. Like, you know, if their, mm. their needs, they're, they're, they're um, getting, you know, receiving special training from various consultants and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it, it'll be a big industry when it comes back. And yeah. different will look differently yes. probably for a while, but then it'll go back to being the same. Uh, the yep. Canadian Institute for Health Information says Canadians age 65 or older in long care home, long-term care homes are three li- three times more likely to be described antidepressants than those living in the committee over the last five years particularly. Tracy Fisher, manager of pharmaceuticals at the organization, says seniors living in long-term Care homes are more medically vulnerable than those living in the community. Living in long-term care are more frail. They are more medically complex. And also, during those pandemic years, we know that seniors were disproportionately affected by COVID-19. Fisher says that her institute's uh, research analyzed public available data on drug position, uh, sorry, drug prescription claims to public drug uh, programs in all provinces and the Yukon. Uh, again, Rumi, I don't think a real surprise. You're in certain circumstances. You're when lockdowns happen. You're in your room or with one other person or or nobody. Um, and I think in 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 the general public, whether you live alone or not, you have freedoms that you you are going to be compromised, but seem less. So I, I think I can understand the three times when it comes to the depression. Yeah, I, I think that I said this and I think it was a vanity card or something like it, it, we're really living in this time and age where we're becoming more attuned to mental health, that's for sure. But it's it's kind of like the more attuned we're becoming to mental health and the, the state of how we feel and how we're reacting and responding to the world around us, the more we realize how sad it is and how difficult it is for us, for our neighbors, for our families, for whoever. And um, there's just like, I don't want to say very little being done about it, but there's it's not at the same pace of, you know, understanding that this is going on. But how do we make it better? That pacing is just not caught up. Um, we heard, Margaret, during the pandemic of all the things that needed to be done, the improvements, the things to help kind of keep people in uh, retirement homes, nursing homes, uh, to hopefully do something about the vulnerability because they're in there and, and COVID was, was striking so many people. Um, do we, do you fear that when we talk about a subject like this and the depressions and things like that, that we've talked a lot about it? As Ramya says, we don't seem to be doing a lot about it. Do we get to that point where we talk, we assess something that we've done before, assessed, talked about? And then go back to doing nothing. You know what? And that's so true. And that's and that's almost what is happening, isn't it? I mean, um, you know, I, I did hear an article on this very topic about 10 minutes before coming down here. And one of the um, spokespeople, I guess, that were involved with the study basically said, well, part of it is that it's easier to keep 
um, people calm and, and drugged. And what happens is sometimes, you know, you get too much of that sedative and yes, you're going to need an antidepressant to get you back up and going again. Now, I think that's a theory. I don't think, I don't know that that's fact, but yeah, unfortunately you're seeing it and you're, you're seeing, you're seeing in some cases things worsening because you've got less medical staff now, especially with this new big Mm -hmm. wave coming on. Right. And the, the quality of care, unfortunately is, is just disintegrating. I mean, at least this time last year, um, what did they say? There was only 14 nursing or 14 long-term care homes rather in the province where the seniors had, you know, where the people had COVID. Now there's 150 across yeah. Ontario where, where people yeah. have got it. Yeah. yeah. At this time last year, we were silly enough to say in better shape than we are at this moment now in the province of Ontario. And I, I don't exactly know where to go with it because there seems to be that, look, just give me something for this. Just try to make me feel better on, on yep. the part of us, um, the individual. Uh, you, you just, what are we doing? Isolating? This is a problem. Then do we work it out? How do we work it out? Is the medication seemingly the answer for them, for for society? And is this just a note that, yeah, okay, great. You know, people are are, are are in better shape outside of. So interesting thing to look at as they bring this out. Guys, I want to talk about The Crown, if we could, for a few moments. The popular Netflix series, The Crown, is facing new scrutiny as to how it portrays the royal family in its upcoming season. This reporter reports that one English actor uh, has urged the popular streaming company to post a disclaimer at the beginning of each episode denoting the series as fictional. It comes days after former Prime Minister John Major denounced a scene from the upcoming season that reportedly depicts Prince Charles approaching Major with a plot to oust his mother, the Queen. Major calling the scene a barrel load of malicious nonsense. Netflix defends the series, calling it a fictional dramatization. But in her letter, Dench referenced the scene, saying it's cruelly unjust to the individuals and damaging to the institution they represent, and called on the producers to add the disclaimer as a mark of respect to a sovereign who served her people so dutifully for 70 years. Okay, Judy Dench uh, says the series seems willing to blur the line between historical accuracy and crude sensationalism. Ramya, as somebody who's taken in the show, did you do you when you watch it think about it as a historical show or uh, th- being aware that Netflix is embellishing? And I know one could argue that uh, anything about history they're going to embellish, they're going to change. Mm-hmm. W- w- this seems to be more of a yeah, but guys, more of this is is just made up for entertainment than is actual. Uh, it, what's your thoughts? You know what I think? I think no matter how much you know it's fiction, you'll still wonder which parts of it are true. And that's just the case. Yes. And what's based on history and especially because something like the crown is literally taking events that have happened and uh, timelines that have happened and seasons, you know, that bring in characters that live today and have lived in the past. So you're you know what I mean? Like it's drama. It's obviously drama. There's obviously fiction. Obviously, aside from the characters being real, you can just say nothing else can be possibly nothing else is real right but doesn't matter it's just like with the jeffrey dahmer thing as long as it's a dramatization as long as we're watching it as long as it's based on some level of truth whether or not you you understand that it's fiction you'll in your head think but what part of it is true Mm -hmm. disclaimer does it need it yeah i I, guess to just give us consistent reminders go ahead margaret (laughs) 
I was just going to say, I'm, I'm surprised because I thought, and this might have just been me, I thought that whenever you did a historical, um, you know, series or movie like The Crown or some of these other things that have come out that have uh, revolved around history, that you, that, that it was just uh, standard practice that you put the disclaimer in. Like I, yeah. you know, like at the beginning of each, um, I, I remember things movie. being that way. I have no idea if that stopped at some point. Don't, don't you wonder though, there's a reason why they don't do, it, do the disclaimer yep. because they kind of want you to fall into it, right? Like mm-hmm. to fall into not constantly reminding yourself that it's fiction. Yep. Like you want to be able to watch the crown and take in it what you will. But yeah, it's unfair. Definitely. Because these people are are having to live with the reputations that they're receiving from this fictional show. Okay, so let's jump into this one. Speaking of Buckingham Palace, it says that uh, 1,000 uh, Paddington Bears and other teddies left in tribute to the late Queen Elizabeth, who, of course, have been left in London and Windsor, will be cleaned and donated to a children's charity. Mourners left thousands of tributes, including flowers and teddy bears, after Britain's longest reigning monarch died last month at age 96. The Queen appeared alongside Paddington Bear in a short comedy video during Platinum Jubilee celebrations. Take a listen. Perhaps you would like a marmalade sandwich. I always keep one for emergencies. So do I. I keep mine in here. For later. Margaret, final word on the roundtable. Very quickly to you. I knew that meant something to you. Paddington Bear, the Queen. Yes. And you know what? And that's a very, very touching um, um, video. So if you have the chance to go back and watch or listen to it, do it. it, it yeah. yeah. I knew it's, you'd it's, like it's that. A, it's, a, it's, a highest, it's a highest sign of respect. Yeah. It was handled nicely, incredibly. And mm-hmm. of course, Paddington Bear tweeting out great stuff, too, regarding uh, when the Queen and compliments. Uh, what what you need to do is is read the book and and uh, maybe discuss it because the Paddington Bear is even though it's a kids book it's Aww. pretty entertaining it's pretty funny. <laughs> Margaret Weldon, our guest on the roundtable. We do this on Thursdays. We'll be back to tell you what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown after this. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.